Welcome to Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy Bement, your host, welcoming you to episode 162 of Panel to Panel. Uh, for those of you who are here in the States, this is coming out uh, kind of the big weekend of 4th of July, so I want to say happy 4th of July to everybody. And let me tell you what's going to be on this episode of Panel to Panel. We'll start out like we always do, going over the news, letting you know what is new in the world of Doctor Who comics. And then we are going to have not one, but two reviews in the Pandoric Opens. We are going to start out with Part 9 of Liberation of the Daleks, which is in the new issue of DWM, issue number 592. And then we are also going to take a look at the Doomsday, four hours of Doomsday supplement comic that came with that issue. Uh, Whether you bought it on the newsstand and got the actual physical comic, or if you're a subscriber to the digital magazine like I am, and you got the free digital pages at the end of your issue, we're going to take a look at that comic and see uh, what we thought of it. And then, speaking of that comic, we are going to have a chat with Russ Leach. Russ is a longtime Doctor Who comic artist. He uh, worked on Doctor Who Adventures magazine, the kids' magazine that came out during the 12th Doctor era. And then he was also the artist on the 13th Doctor comic strip when it came back from the hiatus uh, of COVID. And now he has done this Doomsday, uh, four hours of Doomsday comic that we are taking a look at in the Pandorica. So there you have it. There's the new episode of Panel to Panel and what we are going to be uh, covering in this episode. I want to thank you for downloading this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I hope, uh, in particular, you are interested in this interview with Russ Leach, especially if you are an artist or like to draw or like to hear about the craft of illustration. Uh, I think this is a really good conversation that Russ and I had about uh, the the art of drawing comics. So I think you'll really enjoy that. Um, I guess that's the end of the introduction. Let's just jump right into this episode. It's time to check out the Doctor Who comic news on this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. So let's start out by taking a look at the calendar and letting you know what new stuff has come out. Let's uh, start with Thursday, June 22nd. That is when Doctor Who Magazine issue number 592 came out, which is the new issue that we are taking a look at in this episode. Um, We are then going to jump ahead a little bit uh, to this coming Wednesday, which is uh, July 5th. That is when Doomsday Number 1, the Doctor Who comic from Titan Comics, is coming out. This is part one of the two-parter that is going to feature Doom encountering Missy. And uh, Jody Hauser and Roberta Granada are your creative team on that. That will be coming out this coming Wednesday. And then further along in the month, uh, Thursday, July 20th, should be when Doctor Who magazine issue number 593 comes out, which continues on the Liberation of the Dalek comic strip. And then to round out the month of July on Wednesday, July 26th, that is the tentative date right now for part two of Titan Comics' Doomsday comic, which is uh, the the finale of that story. It's just a little two-parter, uh, an hour or two in the life of Doom in this big multi-platform story. Outside of that, for uh, Doctor Who Comic News, I want to direct your attention to my website, which is DoctorWhoComics.com, because I bought the new issue of Previews, or the July issue of Previews, uh, has quite a bit of Doctor Who content in it. Um, Not really much in way of, like, new stuff, but they have relisted a lot of the Doctor Who graphic novels from Panini, a lot of the Doctor Who magazine comic strip 
collected editions are in there. So for those of you over here in the States, uh, if you are missing any of your volumes of Doctor Who magazine collected editions, you can get them, or you can see which ones are listed in there. Uh, they're pretty much all listed with the exception of the 8th Doctor era, the four volumes that make up the 8th Doctor. Uh, those are not in there. And also, I noticed there aren't any 4th Doctor volumes, such as the Iron Legion or Dragon's Claw. That could be, one, because they're long out of print, and two, I um, have my sneaking suspicion that there will probably be a new volume of uh, that includes the Star Beast in there coming out just in time for the first of the anniversary specials that are going to be airing. Um, however, there is a new volume to go along with the two-volume set of the Daleks, the Ultimate Comic Strip Collection. They are doing a Cyberman one, which must be a bumper edition because it is uh, retails for $49.99 uh, here in the States, which is a lot of money for a collected edition. So that's got to be a pretty thick volume. I'm really looking forward to that because, one, I'm a big Cyberman fan, and, two, there's going to be a lot of strips in there. I, uh, the Croton strip should be in there, which, if you have not read the Croton strips, Oh, they are so, so good. So, that is it for the news in this episode of Panel to Panel. Make sure you check out DoctorWhoComics.com and take a look at what's coming out in the uh, previews catalog, what's coming out from Diamond Comics, and order your Doctor Who collected editions if, you have n- or if you're missing some from your collection. It's time to open the Pandorica like we always do on an episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This time around, we're looking at the latest part of the Liberation of the Daleks comic strip. This is part 9, which is in the new issue of Doctor Who Magazine, issue number 592. And uh, the creative team on this, once again, story by Alan Barnes, art by Lee Sullivan, colors by James O'Freddy, Roger Langridge did the lettering, and Marcus Hearn is the editor. Uh, this strip starts out kind of neat. It starts out with a page of artwork that is very reminiscent of the uh, old 1960s Dalek strips. Um, and features the, the Daleks on the home planet of Scaro looking over things and uh, capturing Georgie. And then it kind of jumps from there to the Doctor confronting the Dalek Supreme um, about the, and the Dalek has uh, asked the Doctor if he has the right to destroy all the Daleks. Well, the Doctor is able to convince the Dalek that he's... Uh, not real, he's fake, and the the Daleks kind of start panicking, and that's when they all realize that they're fakes. They start melting and explode in a big sh- splash of paint, and uh, which makes the the people at the Dalek world uh, upset because they're all covered in paint and goo, and um, uh, it's ruined their day. Anyway, uh, the Doctor is talking about how he. These Daleks, they weren't real. That's how they were able to be destroyed. Um, But then he confronts uh, Georgette. And she explains that the reason that the Doctor got there in the first place is because she uh, set up a space-time telegraph. She wanted to interview the Doctor because she is doing her, getting a PhD in Dalek studies. And she saw that the Doctor was somebody who was always in uh, the the records of the Daleks. So she wanted to interview him for her studies, uh, which doesn't make him all that happy. He also uh, kind of gets uh, 
scolded or in trouble with the Dalek World Security, who say that basically he's not wanted, so he kind of is mad at Georgette. He is not wanted by the, the security people or the people of the Dalek world. So he decides to go into the TARDIS and uh, jump ahead in time a little bit just to see what happens to the Dalek world. And the last page sets up the next part of uh, the story, which I'm not going to spoil for those people who haven't read it. And that's kind of the summation of this uh, short little part of Liberation of the Daleks. Once again, uh, my review of this part of the story is it continues on the story uh, just like the other parts have. I don't think there's anything too terribly special in Alan Barnes' story. There's no big uh, action scene, really. There's nothing super spectacular that happens in this. Um, It just continues the story along, and I think... With this being part nine, we're down to the final, uh, you know, few parts of the story. So I'm curious to see where this is going to go. I think we're leading up to the big payoff of the story, and this is just a step to get there. Uh, Lee Sullivan's artwork in this is once again just as good as it always is. Although there are a few spots, um, a couple pages, uh, particularly the second to the last page where the, uh, I forgot the character's name, but it's the security chief, the gentleman with the lion head, who, uh, looking at those panels, it almost looks like they might have been rushed a little bit as far as Lee Sullivan going over his pencils with the the inks, which all this is done electronically. Uh, There's just kind of some spots where it has that look that it's not really crisp and clean. You can definitely tell it's a digital illustration and, uh, I always hate when I can look at a, a panel or a page and can tell that it's a, a digital one. But his artwork is just as good as it always is, so um, I can't really knock it too much. So there you go. There's a short little review of Liberation of the Daleks Part 9. Um, the story continues on at its merry pace, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. Exterminate! Doctor Who Magazine, the new issue that came out, came with a supplement in way of a special comic book with a story called Doomsday in it. Or actually, it's four stories all in this one comic. Doomsday, for those of you unfamiliar, it's a multi-platform Doctor Who story, or multimedia, uh, using uh, a story being told in 24 hours. Uh, Each part of the story is one hour. And it features a, a killer or a bounty hunter named Doomsday who's trying to track down the Doctor. This comic that came with Doctor Who magazine... Uh, includes hours two, three, four, and five, which are uh, hour two, target selected, hour three, the plastic population, hour four, high noon in Hollywood, and hour five, the horn of a dilemma. Uh, these comics or these stories were all written by Jacqueline Rayner, art by Russ Leach, coloring by Mike Summers, lettering by Roger Langridge, and Jason Quinn and Marcus Hearn were the editors on these. So to get you up to speed. Um, go to doom or doctorwho.tv slash dooms dash day and you can find out all the different parts of this. Uh, part one is on that website. You can read that and then you continue on with the story. So let me give you a synopsis of what the story is about. So uh, Doom is on her way to try to track down the doctor to help her on her mission and she ends up in a cell in this hour two where she runs into somebody that we're all familiar with, River Song. She has come to River Song to try to find uh, the Doctor, 
and the river kind of gives her an idea of where to travel to in order to track the doctor down. Doom's uh, time is up there, and so we go to hour three, which is the plastic population. Apparently, Doom has jumped to a world where um, plastic is very popular, it's being used for lots of things, and there is a politician who is very anti-plastic and uh, wants to see it gotten rid of. Well, they're having this uh, party or a launch uh, for a company that's making these little dolls that uh, you buy that are blank. And when the person or child or whoever gets one of these dolls, it automatically takes on the characteristics of its owner and looks just like a miniature version of them. The the person who has been given this doll is the person who is an anti-plastic person who is creating a, a bill or a, a way to get rid of plastic and kind of outlaw it. Uh, meanwhile, Doom shows up and she thinks she has tracked down the doctor, and she has. She has found the sixth doctor. Apparently, he is there to find out what's going on in this story, and that's when we find out that plastic, of course, for those of us longtime Doctor Who fans, uh, or even for those people who want to go back to 2005, uh, this world is being attacked or trying to be taken over by the Autons, and they're using these little figures to take over the population of the planet and turn the uh, whole world into a world of autons. The The doctor ends up showing up with doom by his side and they are going to try to stop the autons. And that's when uh, we have kind of a neat plot twist in that the politician decides, I'm on the auton side. I'm on the side of the plastic because uh, I won't have to deal with the people who are trying to outlaw the plastic. All the plastic will be used to create new beans on the planet. It's a win-win for me. Um, so he tries to join in with the autons to uh, stop the, the doctor from stopping the autons. And we end up having uh, the, the resolution to the story and the, the doctor tells Doom and once Doom goes, oh, you're supposed to be helping me on my mission. And that's when he's like, no, I'm not the one to help you. And that's when uh, Doom leaps she's only there for an hour at a time she leaps to her next location which is high noon in hollywood uh it's a kind of a back lot uh hollywood stage where uh, a wild west scene she goes into a bar and all the people there are all cybermen which she's like oh this is kind of a bad thing she ends up running away as the cybermen are chasing her and she goes and finds, uh, or is trying to find, an actress named Polly Church. And when she goes into Polly's room, uh, her her dressing room, she finds that Polly has been turned into a cyber woman, or more of a cyber man with long hair. And she's still being attacked by the rest of the cybermen. She still has her plastic gun uh, from the her last previous adventure and she tries to use that to stop the Cybermen which doesn't really work all that well but she ends up in a room full of pyrotechnics and explosives and she uses them to stop the Cybermen from attacking her and that's when she leaps into the next place which is the Horn of a Dilemma. Kind of a medieval setting and somebody is selling unicorn horns and unicorn hair to cure what ails you and that is when uh, Doom shows up and says that 
she or basically is trying to uh, reveal the scam that there's no such thing as unicorns and the person that she runs into to help her to prove this is uh, a, a woman named joe which says that she has a friend that could help as well and uh, of course this is joe grant and but uh before that happens joe or uh, doom runs out of time once again and she's off on another leap to uh on her continuing on her mission and that is the end of this comic it's kind of straightforward kind of short um the stories in here i guess they're okay they're um rather short there's not a lot of world building there's not a lot of character development it's just kind of doom leaping into a place for an hour and um whereas in the doctor who magazine the the liberation of the dalek strip all those stories are taking place in the span of uh, an hour all 12 or 14 parts i forget how many this one you have an hour taking place in the span of four or six pages so you don't have a lot of time to get that hour in the for me the the stories were quick um there's not a lot of substance to them they weren't anything super memorable anything i'm going to totally uh, be gaga over they were okay um russ leach's artwork i thought was really good uh, there are a couple problems i have with his artwork granted I really enjoyed his artwork. I thought his artwork looked nice. It looked neat. It was uh, something different than what I was used to from his work in Doctor Who Adventures magazine. But it was almost a fault of the kind of the artwork and the story combined. The first part of the story, I didn't realize until I went through and did a second or a third reading that River Song was the character that, that Doom was talking to in the first part. Likewise, I didn't realize until... Uh, taking a slow read through the last part that it was Joe Grant that it was the person that that uh, Doom was interacting with or talking to. It's not I wouldn't necessarily say it's the fault of Russ Leach because he is not somebody who goes after exact character likenesses or, or actor likenesses of people. Um, you almost need to have a word in there or uh, River Song introducing herself to Doom. You know this is somebody doom is somebody who all of a sudden just shows up in her cell we don't get any kind of explanation or we don't get much in way of more than a couple panels to see who river song is and it's she's also in shadow so it's kind of tough to make out who it is um if you're not thinking river song you're going to just think oh this is somebody who's in a cell uh doom must have leaped into the wrong place or this is somebody who has known the doctor before but putting two and two together just didn't happen for me um I thought this. I'm not a big fan of these multi-platform stories or multimedia stories, um, just because you get bits and pieces of stuff and you have to follow along through all the different parts in order for it to make total sense. And I'm not somebody who's going to read all the books or listen to all the audios and stuff. So this is what it is. Um, I know a lot of people online were complaining that they were charging or Panini and Doctor Who magazine charged more to get this comic that they really, they really didn't want or need. I'm kind of indifferent about it. I'm, I like Doctor Who comics, so hey, I'll take it. I'll pay the extra for it just to have another Doctor Who comic to read. So um, there you have it. It's not anything you have to go out of your way to search for, but you know, if you're collecting Doctor Who magazine, it was 
free with my digital subscription, so I'll read it. It was it was fun. It was okay. Nothing special. And uh, there you go. There's my review of this uh, part of Doomsday. You will be deleted. Today on Dr. Who Panel to Panel, I have a very special guest. He is somebody who uh, is no stranger to drawing Dr. Who comics, and uh, he's kind of returned to Dr. Who uh, or the pages of Dr. Who magazine by doing the special uh, insert comic that just came out with Dr. Who magazine as part of the multi-platform story Doomsday. This is uh, artist Russ Leach. Russ, thank you for joining me again. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, for most people, I think will recognize you as the artist on Doctor Who Adventures magazine. Um, yeah. uh, have you done anything for Doctor Who since then? That's been a little while. Yeah. Uh, before I did the Doomsday, uh, special, I did a year's run on Doctor Who magazine, uh, when they bought the strip back after the pandemic. Oh, that's um, right. My yeah, bad. I, I apologize. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. That's okay. I did a, I did a couple of months uh, just illustrations for prose stories, mm-hmm. uh, and then I did a full year's run on the strip until Jody left, um, and then they changed the creative team, which is you know that happens all the time. Yep. Uh, and uh, they uh, they were keen to get me back in to do something, uh, along with my colorist Mike. Um, and, uh, this came up and they, they gave me a shout and said, would you like to do it? So I said, of course. Yeah. Well, tell you what, let's step back a little bit because, you know, it's been quite a while since I've, I've touched base with you and and had you on the the podcast. Um, how did you get back into doing Dr. Who magazine when they came back out of the pandemic? Um, they needed someone quick, uh, and reliable. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, they, I think it was a, a little bit of a late decision to get the strip back in. Um, uh, and, um, uh, Jason just came straight to me, uh, and said, you know, please, you know, uh-huh. fancy doing it. And I said, well, of course I've always wanted to, to have a crack at doing some strips in Doctor Who magazine. So, uh, and prior to that, I, like I say, I'd done a couple of months where I'd done some illustrations for them anyway. So yeah. I was kind of already talking to them. Um, yeah. And uh, the, the team were happy with what I could do. So, yeah, it came about yeah. like that. And, and, and Jason is, is Jason Quinn, who you worked with in Natural Adventures magazine. So that's I'm sure, right, yeah. You know, he knew uh, what you can produce as far as artwork goes. Mm. So I'm sure that's why he reached out to you. So Yeah, well, we were also uh, collaborating on a Batman um, book for kids. Oh, um, really? It was a, a bi-monthly uh, thing for Hero Time in the UK, which is finished now, the, the Batman version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still selling in Europe, I think in Germany, Italy, and France off the top of my head. And we did a six issue run of Batman. Um, and, uh, while well, they had the license and, uh, we did that as well. So oh, I was awesome. kind of already there doing stuff with Jason anyway. Well, that's cool. So, that so, cool, yeah. <laughs> um, so what was it like drawing, uh, the Jody Whittaker doctor? Uh, I'd already done it once. Um, I'd done a special uh after we'd stopped doing after doctor who adventures had gone on hiatus okay i think it was 2018 they did a spring special oh yeah they did like a 10 page story with with jody Mm -hmm. and then and that was with the original lineup uh, of uh of uh tardis uh uh crew i suppose you call it yeah um Mm -hmm. and um uh, so I'd already done one anyway, so I wasn't a complete stranger to it. Um, and then, like I said, I did those illustrations, which they were happy with, and you sure. know, it went from there. Did, 
did you feel kind of like the and it was an honor to be, to be the one to to do kind of the final run of of Jody Whittaker's uh, strips in Doctor Who magazine? Yeah, I mean it was kind of cool. You know, it's like um, it, it it's always nice if you can have a run in something and it can it can be not unique, but it can sort of be rare or special or have something associated with it. So the fact that I got to um, I got to restart the strip uh, after its hiatus was quite cool. Mm-hmm. And then doing the last uh, the last story with with Jody in was kind of really good as well. Yeah, uh, doing the Doomsday thing was kind of good. So um, and with the, you know with the Batman thing as well at the same time that was the first time as far as I'm aware that anyone outside the U- the US had drawn a strip specifically generated in the UK you know for yeah. UK production so so I kind of had several you know really special things happen there and it mm-hmm. was uh, it was very cool yeah it's oh. it's a nice um it's a nice punctuation mark to put in your career definitely yeah yeah definitely and not to mention just uh it, it, being a, an artist it's always good to have work to to work on and if you're doing uh, yeah. you know a couple <laughs> things at once you so much the better yeah, I mean, work work is is like that. It's uh, it's definitely feast or famine. It's like that year was utterly bonkers. I did I did a, I did like twelve to eighteen months where I just didn't breathe, didn't sleep. Oh, yeah. It was just bonkers, and then it just sort of all sort of went away, and and which was great because I had the opportunity to do some other stuff, uh-huh. um, which was which had been kind of building up while I was you know so busy on yeah. what I was doing. So I managed to finish my own graphic novel, Only Death Can Save Us, book two. I finished uh-huh. that off. Um, so, you know, I got that out to my crowdfunding backers. And then also it went off to the to the publisher, New Haven, who are going to be Viking Press Comics now. Uh, so okay. that will be out um, soon. The first book is already out on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and what have you. So I had that to finish off. I, then I got some storyboarding work. Um, and then... Um, I decided I was going to start doing another graphic novel. Uh, so um, we're, we're looking at um, The Shadow Kingdom by Robert E. Howard because that's now in public domain. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so myself and a writer thought we'd, we'd really love to have a crack at that and tell it properly, uh, not in a kind of a, like, without any disrespect to Marvel. I, lo- I love the Marvel books back in the day, but but there was no shortening of it. There was no shorthand. It was a proper... Uh, uh, you know, translation of, of the book, as it were, adaptation uh-huh. of the book. Okay. Uh, so we were keen on doing that. And then, of course, as soon as I kind of got into some kind of stride and doing other stuff, uh, the doomsday thing turned up. <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, uh, Jason gave me a call and said, would you fancy? And, of course, it's like you can't say no. As, as an artist, like I say, it's, yeah, it's yeah, definitely, definitely feast or famine. So when uh-huh. a job comes through the door, you you kind of do it, you know. I just had one this week where I was back into what I was doing on, on the shadow kingdom. And, and I got a call saying, you know, do you fancy doing some storyboarding for a week? And I just, yeah, of course, you know, you uh-huh. can't, can't throw it out. So. Yeah. You definitely want to, you, you take the work that, that you get because you don't want to uh, be known as the artist who turns people down. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's more important to be the artist that isn't late. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, definitely those deadlines. You got to hit but, those deadlines. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you you, you want to be able to get yourself about. Um, I know recently there's been a lot of talk about you know people in comics how much money they make and all the rest of it, and it is difficult. It's very difficult, but you must remain agile as a business, as a as a freelancer, um, and uh, you know do as many things as you possibly can because um, 
you know, the chance of you being on a run of a comic for, for more than a year, uh, even up to a year, is it, it's like there's not that many of us out there that can say we've done it. I feel very privileged and, uh, you know, I've, 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 I'm very fortunate, not lucky because I worked hard, but very fortunate to mm-hmm. have got gigs that I've got and worked on, on runs that I've worked on. And, um, yeah, you've, you've got to keep your – you've got to stay agile. You've got to stay out there and, and do as many different things as you can. Yeah, definitely. And uh, speaking of uh, doing, you know, jobs that are your way, let's let's get into Doomsday a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, Jacqueline Rayner, Jack Rayner, was is the writer on this Doomsday project. Was mm. she the one who wrote the uh, Jody Whitaker stuff for you that you worked on? I should remember I'm, if you worked with her before or not. Yeah, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Because I'm really awful with names, so my apologies. <laughs> That's okay. My apologies to Jacqueline if that is the case. Um, but the last time I did a Jodie Whittaker script would have been last September, sometime. Yeah, last so, August maybe. So I, it's been a long time. I couldn't tell you sure, off the sure, top of my bet. head. So well, I'll um, tell you what. Let's, so. let's let's rephrase the question and say. So what was it like working with Jacqueline Arena on these? <laughs> did she just, just get a script from her and just was like, yeah, okay, I, here's what I you're doing? Got, yeah, I just got the script. Um, on on Doctor Who Adventures, I I kind of um, I interacted with a lot of the um, with a lot of the writers. Uh, in 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 fact, I ended up doing some work with uh, Rick um, Rick Hoskin, who okay. who worked on there, and and we've ended up working together since on bits and pieces. Um, so that and that was just the way it worked there. But but on Doctor Who magazine, it was I was quite sort of separated from the writer. Okay. Um, so I, you know, I got the I got the script via Jason and did my thing, and then it, it went back to I presume it went back to the writer, but I have no idea. It went back for edits, you know, to see, you know, sure. if it was working or not. And, and was um, it Jason that gave you that, the notes and was kind of like, here's here's what yeah, we Jason, here's what we don't. Exactly, Jason gave me notes. I I know that some of those notes came directly from, or I'm pretty sure they came directly from Bad Wolf. Is it? Yeah. Um, so they, they came directly through, like, can you do this? Can you do that? Uh, okay. You know, we like this. We don't like that. Um, so, you know, some of those things. Um, but um, quite often, and, and this is, in all fairness, I think this is the this is good editing. It's like it's channeled. Do you know what I mean? They, the, the editors get hold of what they need to, to tell me and what they don't need to tell me and yeah. let me know, and then I get on with it. So Sure. Um, but it was a good, fun story. She certainly did a great job, um, and I enjoyed doing it. So. Yeah, it's a, it's I can't say it, that. <laughs> it's it's like kind of one story, but it's almost like four stories in one or four chapters of a story. Um, yeah, it's it's different hours uh, because mm-hmm. of the way that the whole story works across the multimedia uh, setup, so that all the stories are different hours. But it's like this one continuous set of four hours, uh, and um, and so we got to do different things there. Uh, my mm-hmm. favorite bit was the Cybermen. Because I'd not drawn Cybermen in a in a, a comic form yet. Oh, okay. I had yeah, they drawn, were, they were really commissions deep. and stuff. But <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to ask. You, I I went into reading this. I just read this last night. As a matter of fact, uh, I've had a busy week. And uh, but one of the questions I was going to ask because I hadn't read the the hour the first hour because this like you said this is a every story or every part of this uh, multi platform story is an hour of time mm, and. Yeah. Um, the the comic that comes with Doctor Who magazine is for hours two, three, four, and five. Um, right. 
which I hadn't I hadn't read the the first hour. So for me, kind of jumping into it, I was a little bit perplexed as to what was going on or what the mm. the premise was. But I went back to uh, the the hour one for those of you who might be reading the comic and and not read that first hour. If you go to the Doctor Who website, Doctor Who TV uh, slash Dooms hyphen day or a dash day you can read the the short story that leads into this and i was wondering did they give you that short story leading into this so that way you kind of had an idea of what was the the premise of your stories going forward no oh, really? <laughs> there you go <laughs> god i got nothing else no um uh I'd, I'd have quite liked to have seen that but to be honest <laughs> Um, it may not have even been completely finished by the time I got to start the strip. That, that is all quite possibly true. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I didn't get to see uh, any of that, no. Well, uh, you know, I, I read through them last night, and I, I, I really enjoyed them. I thought each each one of the, the hours was a, was a neat little story, and there's a, a big variety of stuff in these pages for you to draw. Was it... Was it enjoyable to have such a, a big variety of different things to draw? You have, you know, people that are in clown makeup. You got Cybermen. You got uh, uh, one of the doctors. Um, yeah, yeah. I got to draw another doctor as well. That was quite cool because uh-huh. um, I, I didn't know what I was going to get as far as story was concerned, other than the fact that I'd been given reference shots of Doomsday, of Doom, okay. as it was. Uh-huh. Sorry, of Doom, and. Um, so I thought, okay, well, it's just going to be her story, um, and then uh, and then they the it started off with River, and I thought, oh, that's another character, great, um, yep. uh, and then straight into the into the second part, which is with all the clowns and the plastic and all the rest of it, um, and uh, yeah, I got I got the uh, is that the sixth Doctor, yeah, Colin, yep. yeah, um, yep. the sixth Doctor, um, and then. Uh, and then I got um, Joe. Uh, Joe, what's her what's her last name? Uh, the the um, in the last part of the story, oh. who was a, a supporting character. Yeah. Um, and um, in the third one, I got obviously I got um, I got Cybermen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was really cool to draw all those different things. Yeah. Yeah, was, and uh, I was just I'm. Kind of being quiet here because I'm flipping through the pages and looking at your artwork somewhere. Um, you know, I, I love your artwork. Your your art style is uh, it's. I would say it's very like traditional comic art style, but it reminds me a lot of uh, like John Byrne or Jerry Ordway as far as an art style, which is always nice to see. Um, what well, that I mean, that's uh, that's that's incredible praise. Thank you very much. <laughs> um the, these these people are giants <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah but my style is not um i would say it's it's less cartoony um mm-hmm. but i don't go towards sort of like hyper realism either uh, i want it to stay as 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 a strip i want it to yeah. stay as fun you know Yep. So um yeah I I would say yeah it's, it's more that that kind okay. of thing. Um I was going to ask do you do your art digitally uh or are you or traditional pen and or on board? No they're um I I pencil digitally uh because I see that I I use Clip Studio now to pencil it used to be Photoshop. Oh okay. Um and I, I it to me it's it's no different apart from the texture of of 
of pen on paper or pencil on paper, should I say, which you get used to on the screen. Um, it's no different to me drawing stuff, photocopying it, resizing, doing different things and, and putting it on a light box. Yeah, so the, yeah definitely. The Clip Studio is, is effectively, it's, a, it's an all-in-one light box. And when I need to get reference, it's really easy because Google's out there. I don't need to go to the library and do copies and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Like you used to have to do back in the day. So oh, yes, perfect. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I pumped that out to a uh, Bristol board in blue line. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I ink it traditionally. Oh, awesome. That would, that would explain the, the look of your your pages because it, it looks very um, – the, the inking to it seems very fluid, uh, very – like brush like is what I was gonna say. Um so yeah, that makes total sense. Um, Excellent, because that's just what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> Great, thank I, you. <laughs> I, I was just I was I was curious because uh, a lot of times like if uh an artist does everything digitally, including digital inking, um mm. there there's kind of a graininess to it. And yours doesn't look that way. It has like I said, it's it's nice and fluid and it looks uh uh, more traditional and not so mm. electronic, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that's come over because that's exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, all the Doctor Who Adventures stuff was uh, digital. Oh yeah. Um, and at at that time, I was coming up to speed because, as uh, we've, we've mentioned in in a previous conversations, I had a career in art direction and design and uh, and mm-hmm. tech and stuff up until 2009. Um, I'd, I'd, uh, submitted my work to Marvel in the mid nineties and they would, they, they, uh, accepted me as a penciler. Um, but nothing ever happened for me back in the day. Yeah. Um, so when I came back to illustration in 2009, 2010, um, I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, in some ways it was an advantage that I was more mature and, um, my and so my approach to artwork was more mature and i think that helped me but i had a lot of catching up to do with technique um getting things done just uh pages under my belt do you know what i mean just literal physical experience Uh and i was scared of the brush i was scared of inks i wasn't scared of pencils but i was scared of inks They, they made me nervous yeah and um and so i i i immersed myself in the digital aspect and b- bizarrely, even though it's kind of the wrong way round almost that I went to digital and then to physical afterwards, more traditional afterwards, uh-huh. I learned a huge amount about the not necessarily about the techniques of physical brushes, but certainly about where I wanted to spot my blacks, how I wanted to create te- uh, texture, how what my lines should look like as far as what I wanted, uh, how I visualized them. And so it it helped me eventually come to my own sort of like change and go back to traditional work with uh, with brushes and and with pens. Uh, I used uh, dip pens uh, and uh, brush pens, and sure. um, it it you know it it really was a, a kind of a weird journey. Um, but uh, I'm really starting to enjoy myself with uh, physical inks now and uh very rarely do it on on a computer the only time i i do sort of any kind of ink work on a on a a screen would be for um storyboarding and stuff you know quick oh yeah and and stuff that also to be frank i can't sell afterwards so comic comic book pages it's great to have the physical artwork so that you can sell them at a later date 
Yeah, definitely. And it's just one of the things I'm surprised that I, I understand why a lot of artists have gone to doing stuff totally digital just because it's so convenient and easy and mm. you can make changes on the fly and things like that. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of artists that are losing out on the the secondary market of selling their, their original yeah. artwork. Um, yeah. which is it's exploded as far as you know uh, popularity and collectability now it has now because so many people have moved <laughs> to digital so <laughs> you've got to do what you've got to do yeah, um, but um i think i think for a while there and, and this is something that i that i still suffer from i think all artists suffer from to some degree or another you're always looking for perfection and digital lines can be perfect they, they can give mm -hmm. you that smooth edge and what have you. And I did my first um, graphic novel apart from five pages, which I sold traditionally. And yeah. I did it all in uh, in digital inks. And up until that point, I'd done pretty much everything apart from commissions as digital inks. And it started to dawn on me that the vibrancy and the energy that I was looking for, some of it was actually in the, the gritty lines of a real brush of a real pen yeah. uh -huh. and and i started looking further into that and that's not to put any digital artwork down whatsoever they're all tools and it's all about getting the effect that you want at the end of it but the effect that i wanted was a more traditional look and that kind of fell into into line along with the fact that i thought that i could see that so many people were doing digital work that traditional work was going to start becoming i i thought was going to start becoming more valuable and it certainly seems that that's where it's going yeah. so i i wish i'd been able to do uh doctor adventures with it but cell v that's not the way it worked yeah. um but um but certainly coming back to doctor Who magazine all of that was traditional and then doing the doomsday stuff and the batman stuff i did was all traditional as well so uh, I've, I've, I'm starting to get <laughs> starting to get multiple <laughs> boxes of artwork now, so oh, yeah. um, they'll they'll have to go back. They'll have to all go up on an eBay store or something like that, and yeah, yeah, see what I can do with them. Oh, perfect. Well, you but, know, yeah, for... but very pleased. Sorry, but very pleased oh. with the way that it all came out, and so pleased that other people are noticing it. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. You know, I I love looking at artwork and and talking the craft of drawing and illustrating and. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Russ's artwork for a while, you're in for a treat when you buy the new issue of Doctor Who magazine uh, and get that special uh, Doomsday comic at the back. Um, Russ, uh, where can people find more of your artwork? Uh, you can find pretty much all the links that you require over at my website, Um the, you've got my links to my uh, Instagram there. I post a piece of art every day, whether it's brand new or archived material. <coughs> um, and you can also go over to my um, my uh, YouTube channel, which is Comic Book Black Belt, um, or over to my uh, Twitter account, which is again, it's, I think it's Comic B Black Belt, but it's Russ Leach. Okay. So everything you can get from the RussLeach.com website, including uh, Only Death Can Save Us merchandise, books, and all kinds of stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, Russ, I'm I'm glad to see that you're back doing uh, well. Uh, Doctor Who stuff, I guess you've done, but been doing Doctor Who stuff. But <laughs> everybody's kind of following along on the Daleks now in the the current issues. But it's nice to see yeah. you doing the Doomsday, and uh, I look forward to seeing more Doctor Who work from you. I'm sure it's going to be coming up down the road. I hope so. It would be great fun to to do it some more. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for chatting with me today, and uh, best wishes to you. No problem. Thank you very much for having me on, and. Um, spending some time talking to talking shop thank you
Many thanks to Russ Leach for joining me on this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. It was great to catch up with him again and talk about uh, his work on the Doomsday comic that just came out with Doctor Who magazine, find out more about what he's been doing. And as somebody who has always been an artist, I've always liked to draw, being able to talk uh, comic art and illustration and the craft of doing comics and drawing with somebody is always fun for me. I, and I think for those of you, maybe even if you're not necessarily an artist, I think you learn something from for, uh, about how a comic is made by listening to people talk about how they do their artwork and, and the work that is involved in doing this. So I think, uh, I, I hope anyway that you enjoyed this chat that I had with Russ Leach and uh, you might have learned a little something from it. And if you're an artist, maybe you just enjoyed hearing other people talk about art and... Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel as well. Uh, like I always say, it's a pleasure for me to create an episode and bring it to you. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Please do me a favor. And uh, I never ask for monetary donation or hardly ever ask for monetary donation. But if you can spread the word and if you know somebody else who is a Doctor Who fan, uh, especially with the Star Beast coming up, uh, here this fall or you know, in time for the anniversary, if people start watching that and uh, maybe you can introduce them to the fact that it was originally a comic book and if they're interested in reading more doctor who comics please point out this podcast to them and say hey you can learn quite a bit you can hear from people who have worked on doctor who on stories you may not know about and uh, let's try to get some more people into doctor who comics and uh, reading and and enjoying doctor who from uh, the aspect of comic books which have been coming out since basically since doctor who started So, with all that out of the way, thank you for downloading this episode. This is Jeremy B. Met, your host. And until next time, bye. Doctor Who Panel to Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, thanks you for downloading this episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel to Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at DoctorWhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Thank you. Thank you.